Hello, welcome to Front Page Radio with your host, international journalist Dan Wooding, the founder of Assist Ministries and the Assist News Service. Dan has been a journalist now covering the world for nearly 40 years with a focus on missions. And now here's Dan Wooding to start the show with a news update. An unprecedented statement regarding the June 4, 1989 massacre at Tiananmen Square, Beijing, has just been released. The document from 80 Chinese Christian leaders calls for forgiveness, repentance, truth, justice, and reconciliation. They said, in terms of this sinful nature, we are not fundamentally different from the decision makers, commanders, or transactors of the massacre, except, they said, for encountering the grace and forgiveness of God. Welcome to today's program, and uh, our special guest has something in common with me. He may speak like an American, and uh, I may speak like an Englishman, but we were both born in uh, foreign countries to missionary parents. Uh, My special guest is Tim Ramsey, who was born in Bolivia in uh, South America, and I was born in Nigeria, West Africa. So we're two MKs together. And uh, a lot of MKs go off the uh, the beaten track, Tim, but it looks like you're totally respectable. Would that be true? <laughs> That's a very kind way of putting it, uh, Dan. <laughs> I deep, deeply appreciate that. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about your early life. Who, who were your parents and what were they doing in Bolivia? Well, my father is uh, Charles, known as Chuck, Chuck and Jean Ramsey, who have worked in Bolivia and still there as missionaries 56, 57 years now. Huh. And uh, I don't believe they'll ever retire until uh, God takes them home. And isn't Bolivia the place where there's been more revolutions than any other, there any other country in the more world? More revolutions than years of existence. <laughs> more presidents than years of existence, yes. Uh, that, is my, uh, that is my home country. I was born, but my uh, folks worked with the Ayore Indian people. Now they, they, they made history, bad history. They made history in 1943. It's not a well-known history of having killed the first five missionaries that new tribes ever sent out. Hmm. Uh, Reason 1943, it wasn't a big story. It had very little to compare with the news of World War II going on and and the amount of men and women killed in that battle in those wars. So we don't hear a whole lot about it. But those are the people I grew up with, Um, very violent, violent people. And I had the privilege of seeing God take... Uh, violent, um, animistic, tribal people that wandered through the jungles, buried all twins alive, hmm. sacrificed firstborns to the bird god, um, buried all elderly people who could no longer wander alive, and watched them move from that to a knowledge of Jesus Christ and, and breaking bread and, and drinking the cup wow. in church and celebrating uh, with how, Jesus how Christ. How did your dad uh, sort of break through with these people? Then? Well, mom and dad spent 23 years working with the Iota people before uh, dad came back to the States and got a master's in, in, in communications from Wheaton huh. and went on to pioneer both the recording studio and Christian radio in Bolivia. Huh. He started the second Christian radio station in the entire nation and uh, helped uh, establish the Evangelical University there. Yes. Which went on to, through his work in the communication department, uh, and uh, train. We also owned FM, AM, and shortwave radio stations in Bolivia. We only have shortwave now because we accomplished our goal. Today, there are eight Christian radio stations in the city of Santa Cruz and two Christian television channels, a direct result of having focused on training, equipping, and motivating leaders. And and uh, this particular tribe now... um 
what are they like today? Well, God has uh, graciously allowed us, starting in 1999, to go back into that Indian tribe. What it is, the first generation came to know the Lord, but second and third generation really did not follow their parents' footsteps. Yeah. And they were in prostitution and drugs oh, and dear. alcohol, just, just really off the deep end. Yes, yeah. We came in with a concerted effort and began tying about five different churches here in the U.S. to that group of people. Yes. And rebuilt in 10 years the entire community. Huh. Training focusing on training leaders. Yes, yeah. One of the one of the things we do as missions is we we train wonderful leaders for the church. Yes. But not to function in in what we call the secular world. And in Indian tribes we must teach them how to capture funding, how to develop and work with government leaders, mm-hmm. how to create an economic base for their community, yeah. health, education, and so in, in a 10-year project, we have rebuilt the entire community in those five key areas, spiritual, Ooh. government, economic, uh, health, and education. Huh. And today it's a, transformed, it's a transformed community out in the jungles that's the envy of all the other <laughs> communities around them. Okay, coming and, back to your, your younger days, did you ever go through a time of rebellion or were you always totally respectable? Like? <laughs> well, now you're asking personal questions, <laughs> uh, Dan. Uh, God was gracious and, and never really went through a, a, a major rebellion. After yeah. coming to the States, of course, and a great deal of culture shock, I did fall away from the Lord for a while here yeah. in California, huh. about a two-year period, and concentrated on rock climbing as my God. <laughs> and, uh, well, better than rock and roll, anyway. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but uh, God, in his grace, uh, through a pastor at a church in Agura Hills, yeah. Brad Barshaw, uh, personally mentored and brought me back to uh, to the Lord and to uh, to the desire for missions. And how did you meet your lovely wife? I met her at a Christian youth camp and in the mountains name, of Virginia. Her name is Sessie. Yeah. Uh, like Jesse, but Sessie. Sessie. That's an, an, <laughs> and, uh, I've never heard that name. That's an unusual well, it's name. Well, it's actually a Latin American uh, modification of her real name, Cecile. Okay. And uh, she just loved the sound of it and has kept it ever since we went to Central America in 81. But we met in the mountains of Virginia. She was huh. a little mountain girl huh. in the southwest corner of Virginia and through a Christian camp there married and then came to Biola University oh. where we uh, crammed four years of college into nine. <laughs> into nine. That's, that must be some, something of a record, isn't it? Uh, before going on to the mission field So in you're 84. having trouble graduating then? Right? Oh, well, I graduated. How come Lordy? <laughs> <laughs> now, you, you run an organization now uh, in Latin America. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, run a mission called LATCOM. It was started in 1984. And what, what does and, that stand for? Uh, Leadership and Communication Training in Latin America. Okay. Um, it was started at first with the emphasis of leadership training and development in the communication fields. As God allowed us over 15 years to basically pioneer Christian radio and recording studios and then help. Uh, we were one of the founders of COICOM, which is like oh, the yes. National Religious Broadcasters for sure. Latin America. Yeah. Um, basically started through our mission, Eplabol, in Bolivia, and our national leadership went on to, uh, to do a lot of incredible things uh, among leaders and reaching now upper-level leaders across the nations of Latin America. Huh. Wow. So the, the work you're doing now, is, is it sort of right across Latin America or just in Bolivia? We started primarily in Bolivia. And out of Bolivia, which is the heart of South America, yes. right in the middle, we are branching out. We're in over eight countries of Latin America with, uh, with leadership development and training. Okay. Now, what, what, what would you like people to know? You know, American 
you would know this because you've you know you you've sort of in in and out. I find that a lot of Americans have no idea about other countries, other cultures, and um, it, it's almost a, a, a strain because the United States is such a powerful country, mm-hmm. and because the American culture, if you can call it that, is so overwhelming with movies and music and TV, um, quite often people here, uh, except for immigrants, obviously, who bring from where they're from mm-hmm. to America, Many have no real understanding of South America. They know that there's, you know, there's, there's, there's people living there and they've had a lot of uh, trouble and Pinochet and people like that got into mm-hmm. trouble. But w- w- what is the positive side of, of South America you'd like people to know about? Well, let me back up just a little bit because you mentioned something in there that uh, of churches not aware of something. And um, we have focused on two kind of rising storms in our country. Mm-hmm. One being, of course, the, the, the rise of radical Islam. Mm-hmm. And the other being, of course, the economic storm we're facing right now yeah. in the crisis. But most American, especially North American churches, are unaware of another storm that has risen from South America and, and Latin America in general. And that is the resurgence of Marxism, or what's known more popularly today as neo-populism. Now, is is this um, the liberation theology? Situation? No, it's it's not. Thing. It's different. Yes, it's different. Yeah. This is not tied to religious. This is actually a non-religious uh, Marxist movement yes. uh, resurging back through all of Latin America. Oh. Most Americans are unaware that nine countries of South America now have radical neo-populist presidents. Um, starting with the most recent elections in El Salvador, yes, uh, Honduras, Nicaragua, Dominican Republic, Cuba, Venezuela, Ecuador, Bolivia, and Paraguay. Huh. And pretty strong socialist presidents in Chile, Argentina, Uruguay, and Brazil. That is really most of Latin America. And then with the current drug wars and instability in Mexico, um, there's a storm south of our border that most Americans are unaware of as Yeah, happening. I was unaware of that. That's very what's, interesting. What's positive out of that, in answer to your question, is that in the midst of what seems to be this rising darkness is, is a rising light. Yes. Among leaders in Latin America that, at least in our small mission organization, I have no way of explaining other than God's grace and timing, uh, allowing us to reach in and train with moral and ethical leadership uh, some of the highest levels of the of the governments in areas we're able to go into, hmm. uh, outside of God's grace, uh, and 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 some strategy that God in His wisdom has allowed us to use, uh, I can't explain it. Hmm. But it's a light, and God's allowing our little mission to be a light in 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 the midst of of this growing darkness of a really anti-Christian movement. Now you you. you work in a continent that is predominantly Catholic, whether it's nominal or not. Mm-hmm. And I have a good friend called Hermano Pablo. And, uh, you know, I know I, how well... I personally known. know Hermano Pablo. Yeah, <laughs> I shared an office with him for a year, and uh, it was extraordinary that here he was, a Protestant, reaching across the, you know, the all the religious uh, lines there and was accepted. Is it a problem for you to work, you know, with other groups like the Catholics? Um, interestingly enough, uh, we have approached sharing the gospel in a unique way. Mm-hmm. We work, first of all, completely through nationals yes. and training nationals. 
But I remember when I was studying at Biola and working on a dual degree in, in Recreation Christian Camp Administration and in cross-cultural communications, yeah. one of the things we studied was the reasons a child will go to camp. Yes. There are three, food, fun, and fellowship. Now, fun first, fellowship, and then food. Those are his felt needs. His unfelt needs are, of course, the spiritual needs. What we've done is we've gone after the leaders of Latin America by focusing on the felt needs. Every leader wants to know how to be a better leader. So we'll step in with key programs that are biblically based in a Christian worldview, kind of covertly done, and come to them and say, we want to make you the best leader we possibly can huh. for your country, for your nation, for your organization, whatever it is. Would you allow us to come in and help you and train you? And then as we're able to do that, we can interweave our testimony as followers of Jesus Christ. Wow. We have received no opposition from the Roman Catholic Church or from secular um, military police. Yeah. We're training the highest levels of police. And you've got a story, haven't you, about a, a police officer who has transformed uh, uh, policing in his and, area. And I have to very carefully t let you know ahead of time, I can't mention his real name. Okay. Because he is a high, highly placed sure. in, in the government in this particular country. He came in 2004 to some seminars we were doing on principles of leadership and the value of ethics and uh, accepted the Lord. The conclusion of that, he went on to tie into our organization and pioneered um, community-oriented policing for the city of Santa Cruz. Yes. To this day, he is now in La Paz being ascended uh, to full colonel level and is one of the prime movers of community-oriented policing for the entire nation. And is, is policing looked upon as pretty corrupt in it some It is parts? considered the most corrupt. But the amazing thing is, <laughs> uh, last year, this lieutenant colonel was named by the Bolivian press and the city of Santa Cruz, a city yeah. of 1.5 million inhabitants, was granted the first award as the man of integrity and transparency for the entire city. Wow. Yeah. In just four short years. Huh. God had taken what is considered one of the most corrupt things and through his principles lived out in the life yeah. of a police officer. Uh, he won this astounding award. Has, has this drug problem gone throughout Latin America? I know it's in Colombia and in Mexico. Mm -hmm. Is it pretty well throughout? Unfortunately, uh, I don't know if you're aware, the president of Bolivia, Evo Morales, is the former president of the Coca Growers Union huh. for Bolivia. And from that platform went into to power. He has uh, legalized the growing of coca and pretty much unleashed it, which in some sense has caused a growing drug problem. And along with the fact that they threw the DEA and, and every, the USAID and everything else out of the nation, including the U.S. ambassador, it has created some significant problems with drug trafficking, yes. Yeah. Now, another area I believe you're, you're involved with is camping. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Well, God in his grace allowed us to purchase a, uh, what used to be the New Tribes Boarding School in Bolivia called Tambo yeah. back in 2004. In just four years, we have taken that. We now call it Monte Blanco Christian Camp and Conference Center. In just four years of programming, over 16,000 youth have been through that. Yes. And over 8,000 have made some decision for the Lord in our chapel or campfire circle. And what we're reaching are schools, Yeah. not, not churches. And last year we had over 4,000 uh, junior high and high school kids, and uh, over 1,900 of them went forward in our chapel. So it's an amazing ministry God's allowed us to have uh, through this Christian camping program. We're tied very closely yes. in a partnership with Hume Lake Christian Camps as a sister in camp. 
and they have trained all of our senior staff up yeah. here in the U.S. at their camp, huh. which has allowed us to jump about 30 years of camp development and programming <laughs> uh, to where we're considered the premier camp in Bolivia and one That's of the great. top in South America now. Well, what I find interesting is that um, my my mom and dad were what we call orthodox missionaries. They mm-hmm. they went to Bible college. They uh, they then had to go to Nigeria. They then had to go to language school. And I don't know how many years it took before they even spoke to the very first person. Mm-hmm. And you do it the other way. Uh, you you work just with nationals, and you even give your leadership to nationals. Um, why why have you taken that tack instead of the old way? Well, there's there's two two reasons. One is um, if you genuinely want to transform a nation, a society, or a city, whatever, you have to reach the 20% that make the decisions for the rest of the people. Yeah. I call that an unreached people group in the nations. <laughs> we tend to think of that as tribal people. But, sure. But in this context, it is the leadership of the country is our unreached people group. If you can get them on board and committed and making decisions that influence the rest of society, and then you must target the children. Ooh. Preschool through elementary. Reason I say that, and I can't, I can't quote the statistics. Heard this out of some conferences I was at back in 2008 in in Atlanta, Synergized Conference. A child learns 45% of their worldview by the time they're five. Huh. 85% of their worldview is established by the time they're 12. If you are genuinely going to transform a city, a town, a community, a nation, you have got to get the children in a biblical Christian worldview. So we are targeting in the work we do two levels, the 20% that make the decisions for the nation, the elementary children through a character-based education put into the public schools, and kind of a sandwich effect in the middle, getting their parents on board and principals (laughs) and school teachers. That's great. Now, we do, we do the kids, not by programs exactly at the kids, but we train the principals and, and teachers yes. in the use of this material and put it in their hands. Do, do you find um, there's ever any conflict between the, you know, the, the Westerners and the, you know, in leadership? Um, we're so used to, you know, I'm, I come from Britain, or, and, uh, you know, we're so used to ruling part of the world, and America <laughs> sort of, you know, is... Uh, pretty strong at that as well with all the way all these companies are spread around the world and so sometimes we think we know it all you know we we mm-hmm. have this uh, or, uh, you know i don't quite have it we just feel we're superior how how have you dealt with that when you're dealing with local people who maybe feel a little bit inferior do you make them feel important or how do you do this well from day one when lacom was started in 1984 its focus was on empowering the nationals. Yeah. We were way ahead of the curve. And and we just focused on training, equipping, and motivating strategic leaders to become the best leaders they possibly be, could be for their nation. I think that's part of the reason why we're in the highest levels of government, hmm. presenting the gospel in unique, powerful ways, because we're doing it through nationals. An example, we had a radio announcer came to our little radio station, hired in, in 1990. The gentleman, we helped him get his education, his college degree in communications. He eventually became director of our radio station. Eventually went on to become executive director of our mission, Eplabol, in Bolivia. From that, moved into Bolivian Congress, (laughs) uh, served as one of the prime architects of the autonomy movement that is the only thing holding back Marxism in the nation, 
Today, he is now doing the leadership development and training for us across the entire continent. He was in eight nations of Latin America, reaching strategic military police, business leaders, educators, uh, with these kind of uh, transformational messages. Hmm. Now, that's taking someone, training them, mentoring them, empowering them, yeah. And letting them launch out to do the work far more effective than if I had sat there and attempted to do it myself. Yeah. Even though I was born and raised and I'm fluent in Spanish, verbal, nonverbal jokes, you name it, <laughs> he can walk in yeah. where I never could. Because you, you do look like a because Caucasian American. Because I am still yeah. white American. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Very interesting. Now, um, Nicaragua is a country that's always fascinated me. I... Mm-hmm. Remember going down to Honduras when the, uh, the the war was going on, you know, with the Contras, and I've been to Nicaragua I don't know how many times. Do you have any work going on in, in that country? We do not at the moment. Um, interestingly enough, we've been working very closely with El Salvador and yeah. Guatemala. Yeah. And um, in fact, uh, our leader was just came back from a week of, of unique meetings in Guatemala. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we are hoping through that to be able to bridge in. And a close friend of ours that we met called uh, General um, Benjamin Godoy, uh-huh. uh, being able to open some of the other countries of yes. Central America. We have been in Panama as well. Coming back to um, when you come over to the U.S., what sort of response do you get? Do you you get frustrated or do you get a good response or what? Well, uh, both. (laughs) There's the the frustration of of a mindset that doesn't comprehend the need to use secular tools to reach a secular audience that are biblically based. Yeah. Uh, that may sound a little confusing. Can you can you explain that? The secular Probably tools? an illustration. Yeah. City of LaGuardia, which is a city of about 100,000 inhabitants in Bolivia, came to us in 2004 to our leadership in Bolivia and said, we'd like to become the first city of character in Bolivia. Would Ooh. you help us? Huh. An amazing invitation. Yeah. The first year we went in and trained everyone from the mayor all the way down to neighborhood committees in principles of leadership Money management, we use Larry Burkett's Business by the Book. <laughs> uh, when it came team management, we used Jesus and the 12 disciples. Yeah. And went on to train everybody the first year. Second year, we, we went into the elementary schools by taking principals and teachers and training them, putting in their hands a character-based curriculum. comes comes from Character Solutions International out of San Diego, Escondido. And that curriculum, the kids will study one character trait like honesty five minutes in class for a solid month. Huh. They'll study it from nature, from history, from some historical figure on a stage, from a lot of different avenues. Yes, yeah. Interestingly enough, after three years, the city of LaGuardia was named by the Bolivian press as the best managed city in Bolivia, huh. and their mayor is the example of integrity and transparency for the nation. It is like going through a wormhole in <laughs> Bolivia to go from one city into LaGuardia, see the difference, go out the other side, and you go like back into a, into a third world country. God's principles applied by the leadership, yeah. taught into the elementary schools, tra- is transforming a city. Now, we haven't been the only ones that God's used in that context, sure. but we've been one of the primary ones. Hmm. And it's amazing how by, by this kind of strategy of training, equipping, and motivating, and looking at strategic secular leaders, yeah. and then targeting strategic church leaders as well for training. Would this work developing. over here in, in the States as well? Actually, uh, it, it is being done in some cases yeah. in the U.S. Uh, to much effect. Um, right. 
the name of the ministry again and the website. Tell us a little bit about it. Our, our ministry name is LATCOM, L-A-T-C-O-M. Yes. And, of course, our website is www.latcom, L-A-T-C-O-M dot O-R-G. Yeah. And uh, any information on our mission is, of course, on that website. And, and the work that we're doing, stories uh, such as the one on La Guardia and other things that God has done are there. there. We've been uh, speaking with Tim Ramsey of LATCOM. And Tim, uh, looking back over all these years, what is the biggest lesson God's taught you through your work in, uh, in South America? Wow. It's one that it's a, that's a sojourn of a lifetime, and I am still learning <laughs> and struggling with it, and that is obedience and trust. Huh. Um, God has told us, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't yeah. lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, put him first. Yeah. He'll direct your paths. Great. And that is probably the toughest lesson to <laughs> obey and, and to apply in our lives That's... on a daily basis. Well, Tim Ramsey, thank you again. Uh, the, the website again is? Latcom.org. www.latcom.org. Tim, thank you so much. It's been a special time for me as an MK, two MKs together to see how God's worked in your life. And uh, I want to thank you for coming on the program. And I would love to hear some of your stories too, Dan, and God's (laughs) rich blessings in this ministry that you carry out. Thank Thank you. you very much. Thank you. You have been listening to Front Page Radio with international journalist Dan Wooding. If you would like a free subscription to the Assist News service, just log on to their website at assistnews.net. If you would like to write to Dan, please send your letter to him at Assist, P.O. Box 609, Lake Forest, California, 92609. Please don't forget to tune in next time for another edition of Front Page Radio on this same station.